The following program is an MLWRadio.com production. From the archives of What Happened When Mondays with Tony Schiavone, Episode 3, The First Nitro. I'm not saying this happened. Can't state this clearly enough. But let's take a look. Let's beat it up. The very first Hulk Hogan restaurant, Pasta Mania, Pasta Mania right. was in the Mall of America. Yep. And they were trying to make a big push because you've got, yep. we're doing our debut show in a place where Hogan has just opened his first franchise of Pasta Mania using his likeness. Right. We're going to do a cameo in that show. Featuring Hogan surrounded by kids in front of Postamania. If you really wanted to promote the the Postamania, you probably could have done a little bit better than that. Uh, Remember, at Postamania, you rule. You choose the sauce. You choose the pasta. You choose the cheese. Yeah, but I remember that. I ate at Postamania like a day before. How was Uh, it? it It was okay. This moment and much, much more is available in the archives of What Happened When Mondays with Tony Schiavone. SaveWithBruce.com is the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. For all your mortgage needs, go to SaveWithBruce.com. Oh my! And from there, lower your monthly payments, consolidate your debt. You may even be able to own your own home with no money down. And you don't need perfect credit. And you may be able to skip your next two house payments. Stampede your way to savings right now at SaveWithBruce.com. Equal housing lender, NMLS number 65084. Welcome to WHW Monday. Tony Schiavone and Conrad Thompson. Talking about the great years of World Championship Wrestling, the NWA, and Jim Crockett Promotions. And now let's go to the ring. Here's your co-host. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to What Happened When? Monday, right here on the MLW Radio Network. And, uh, man, we have a real treat for you today. I had to think about tweet or treat. Here we go. Glad you said the right one. Tony Schiavone. In the Conradison. It's how happening. About, how about that? This is tremendous. It hasn't happened that often before. We did it with uh, Great American Bash 91, and then we did it with a question and answer show, neither of which we had the audio right for, which is really on you. I know it's my house, but you're the radio guy, right? I yeah, mean, what I, the hell? And I, and I work with one of these Mackie mixers that you got, and you got a, you got a top-end one here. You, you got a great one, and it takes someone to know how to work it. And I usually know how to work these things, but I just said, what the fuck? You assumed that I knew what I was doing, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> which really made an ass out of you and me. Yes. Yes. Let me say about coming to the Conradison. I told Lois, I said, I'm going to go see Conrad. She said, why don't you spend the night? Why don't you spend the weekend? I love that. And I said, are you trying to get rid of me? She went, no, just a suggestion since you two are such, such buddies now. So anyway, it's great being here. Uh, and thanks for the hospitality. Uh, you have a lot of friends, a lot of friends, a lot of good people here, and uh, you're just a wonderful guy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I wish I could say the same. When I knew you were coming, I made arrangements for my daughter to leave immediately. <laughs> I wanted her out of here as quickly as possible. Oh. Let me say this again. I've gotten a bad rap 
because because of me uh, probably, <laughs> <laughs> because of, because of you uh just because i grew up with females as my friends and because i friended uh, many females in wcw doesn't mean that i was a dirty old fucker well, or am it, it doesn't mean that at all i was friends with a lot of the nitro girls spice fire they were they were buddies of what, mine what about whisper where were you with whisper uh whisper was pretty cool uh the other one a uh, tigress oh man she and i were big buddies we had a little angle you remember that at the Marriott? No. On TV, we didn't angle. Nobody was watching that. <laughs> Nobody was watching that. So, yeah, when, when I found out that you were coming, I, I told my lady friend that you were coming. And yeah. she said, you know, okay, let me get ready. And so she was, like, frantically on her phone. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm trying to see if Amazon Prime can get rubber sheets here in time. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what you mean. And she's like, Google it. Throw in your Google machine. So she pulled a Conrad. Oh. Uh. And I figured out what those uh, rubber sheets are for. And, wow. and I'm glad to say we can set you up. Oh, Lordy. I'm going to, I, at the end of this week, I'm going back to mass. I'm going to confession and I'm going to, I'm going to pray for my soul and yours too, for the way you've led me down this road, but that's okay. I still love you. Well, I appreciate that. And we love you guys, which is why we said, you know what, let's make it all about you. So this week. Uh, we're going to answer your questions. We invited you to follow us on Twitter at WHW Monday, and then go ahead and reply to the tweet. Uh, this is a pretty phenomenal job here by Dave Silva. He photoshopped your head, uh, on top of a teacher at the front of a classroom with yeah. people raising their hands. It's our Q and a episode here with Tony Schiavone. Get in on the action. Follow us on Twitter at the end of this week's show. We'll tell you how you can vote on next week's show, but in the meantime, Let's get right to it. Dave Silva wants to know, why does Tony only greet me with open mouth kisses? Uh, because I like the taste of tacos, Dave. Hmm, there you go. That's not racist at all. <laughs> what the hell? What kind of question was that from Silva? Well, what I think, the hell? I think he's that talented little prick that he is. And he has to say something like that to me. Um, huh. Greg Merriweather asked a great question about commentary. Uh, wondering about the process of studio commentary dubbed in over matches versus right. live commentary. Right. How do you make it seem real? Is it hard to do? Oh yeah, it is difficult to do, especially after once we started doing WCW Monday Nitro and Thunder and we got some great crowds, it's hard to go in and do the studio work afterwards. Uh, but you make it work, you know, you, uh, just like you make everything work, but it is difficult and it got me even more difficult. I, I did a lot of studio work in that one year I was with the WWE when I would voice over uh, some matches for primetime wrestling and, uh, and did some other voiceovers. You know, that's how we did the, uh, if you recall, when I worked with, uh, with Gorilla Monsoon on WWF Wrestling Challenge, that's how we did the commentary because they just went out and taped matches and we would go in and do the commentary for them. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was different. We had, we had a lot of fun, though, in the back because we, uh, uh, back in the WCW days, we weren't produced, so we could basically kind of get away with saying anything we wanted to say. I can remember a, a time where Larry, Zab Larry Zabisco and I, we got tired of clotheslines because that seemed to be the, the go-to move by everybody. 47 a match. Yes, and yeah. so, so we would actually put money up. The, Larry would come up with an over and under on a show. Let's say we were doing WCW's or Thunder, you know, we started voicing over Thunder later, or we were doing like a Saturday night voiceover or something, and Larry would come up with the over and under, let's say it's a eight, eight clotheslines in the show. And we would 
Somebody would bet the under. Larry would always bet the over. And when they would hit that ninth clothesline, I mean, we would go crazy. It's another clothesline. And what the fans didn't realize is Larry was winning money because of that. That is so fun. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we got, got away with a lot of stuff doing that back there. And that was it was a lot of fun doing it that way. But you, you can't really capture the live feel of it as you can with Nitro Thunder. Uh, Bell fan Dan wants to know, I'd like to hear the story surrounding kiss on nitro and Tony in full face paint. Was I in full face paint? I thought it was a Photoshop. Did you? Yeah, no, I wasn't in full face paint. How do you not remember? You asked that like a question. Well, I, I look, okay. The hypothetically would, how much would you pay for Tom Zink to paint your face? Uh, Tom would probably do it. Paint my face for free. He's painted a lot of other ones for free. Super Dave Miller wants to know. <laughs> Any info on Flair's I don't do jobs promo before the Crockett Cup and Dusty's I don't do no jobs either response. We're talking about back in the day in the 80s yeah. on TBS. Pretty famous little uh, series of interviews here because it's pretty inside for the time. Yeah, right. And uh, again, once one starts, the other one's going to pick up on it. Uh, and they were, just, I, they were just having a good time. I, I don't think they were really at each other's throat with that. I guess that's what they're looking for but there was no conflict because of that that was just flair saying something and dusty responding to it and trying to be funny no sort no sort of heat or, no. or blowback about that at all no no absolutely not uh horror movie barbecue wants to know how no. come tony never received an action figure from either toy biz or jack's classic superstars line even michael buffer got one you know i think i did get one did uh, you really uh one of the uh one of the ball players one of the baseball players uh one of my favorite baseball players of all time, Kanakoa Teixeira, who is now the pitching coach for the Danville Braves uh, and is from Hawaii and is a big wrestling fan. He showed me online on Amazon where you could find one. Uh, and I looked pretty I looked pretty rugged. I was tan and my hair was kind of blonde. And maybe it really wasn't me, but he said you could find them. So, so maybe somebody made an aftermarket one? They could have because I don't remember seeing a dime for any of that shit. Can you imagine someone wanting a Tony Schiavone figure so badly that they made one? <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> someone actually yeah. did. I, I don't know that I showed yeah. you this, but we have a super fan listener. Oh, yes, that's right. He made, who, yeah. who made one of you in a tuxedo. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got that for you here today. I don't know that, but I can tell you that uh, back in the, the video game days, you could play me as your wrestler on the video games. You know that? Now, why would you want to do that? Did I don't know. I, my kids loved it. Oh, look, I'm dad and I'm fighting the macho man, Randy Savage. And, uh, here comes mom with a run in type thing. In, in my head, it <laughs> feels like you would have been the victim of the big wiggle a lot in that game. No, I don't think so. Really? Okay. I think I was kicked out of that. So to speak, maybe you just laid down in the quarter waiting on the Bronco buster. <laughs> no. Um, uh, as Rick Flair said, I don't do jobs for anybody. <laughs> let's let's question that jared rollins wants to know if you'll play f mary kill oh. with medusa tom zinc and ray mysterio okay uh are you familiar with the premise yes okay okay uh well no i'm not gonna play that game why because i'm a married man oh well listen this is just pretend okay <laughs> okay uh what's it what's it called again F. Mary Kill F. with Mary Medusa, okay. Tom Zink, and Ray Mysterio Jr. Okay. Uh, F. Medusa, Mary Ray Mysterio, and kill Tom Zink because Tom may be dead. We can't find him already. Well, that 
turn I, dark. Yeah. <laughs> I, but well, hypothetically, how, how could it not turn dark? Well, I, I, I really assumed you would have effed Tom Zink and no. married Ray Mysterio and killed no. Medusa. <laughs> no, not at all. I, I love Medusa. I really love Medusa as a friend. Justin uh, French wants to know. <laughs> oh, boy. Any memories of the time that Chucky came to Nitro? <laughs> Was there legit heat between him and Rick Steiner? Their interaction seemed like a shoot. So was that animated doll, did he have real heat with Rick Steiner? I don't think he had real heat with Rick Steiner. No, I think he had heat with me. The doll but, did? Yeah, because he had a bit, bigger dick than I did. Okay, let's move along. Um, late to the Nitro Party wants to know, what was the communication like from the back when Sid broke his leg in 2001? Uh, there was a lot of panic in the back, uh, and I, I was told to, to try to, as best I could, uh, call the action and uh, focus on what was going on with Sid. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it completely changed, the, as you might imagine, changed the complexion of that night. But there was a lot of panic going on on many different levels, from the truck to the uh, Jody or gorilla position to what was happening in the ring and to us uh, as far as announcers are concerned. Moondog Smash wants to know if you can tell the story or any memories you may have of the Ray Mysterio, Jennifer Aniston tabloid story. Uh, the gist here was the National Enquirer or a magazine like that ran an article that had a couple of pictures of Ray Mysterio and Jennifer Aniston, not together, uh, but it says friend star Jennifer Aniston flips for incredible hunk. Mm. Um, what do you remember about this Ray Mysterio Jennifer Aniston tabloid story. What do you remember about it? I remember nothing about it at all. Anything that came out of the, the national Enquirer, I, I, we didn't pay attention to, but you do have something in common with Jennifer Aniston. Uh, we both appeared on friends in episode 31, maybe. And you both found Ray Mysterio to be an incredible hunk. No, I, I just thought raise a handsome young man. He's not young anymore. Okay. Well, he's a, he was a handsome young man to the point to where I, I've told you this story before that I thought that he probably would not have, shouldn't have donned the mask. And I know that with the mask means a lot in, in Mexican wrestling, but he was just handsome enough to go without the mask. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Next. Any memories of WCW head of security, Doug Dillinger. This yeah. comes to us from Motu fan 1982. Yeah. Doug Dillinger is someone we've talked about a lot on the program, but do you have a, a, a nugget story of his you can share? Well, uh, Doug, a lot of times we would dri- we would ride together and, and Doug would drive, uh, and Dusty would ride in the front seat and Janie Engel and I would ride in the back and go to TV tapings. Uh, Doug always you know, took care of Dusty. And, uh, you know, watched out for him and, and was the head of security. Uh, and he drove for us because anytime he got caught speeding, which happened a number of times, he could get, get out of the ticket because he was a Charlotte cop. Uh, I rode with Doug Dellinger uh, in the cop car at Gene Anderson's funeral, uh, leading the funeral when I went to his funeral when he passed away years ago in Charlotte. Uh, Doug had a meeting with the wrestlers. And this was as we moved further into Nitro and as we were getting very hot. And as you know, at sometimes fans would love to jump in the ring. And Doug Dillinger had a meeting with the wrestlers. And I remember him saying, listen, you got to protect yourself. I understand. And the old school way had, had been if a fan jumps in the ring, 
to beat the shit out of the fan. That happened a lot. And I saw a lot as a fan, and I also saw a lot once I started working in wrestling. Doug said, I'm just telling you, it would be best if you not go there, if you pull away from them, if you don't swing at them, if you avoid them. It'll be best for you in the long run. And then Doug walked out, and most of the guys said, fuck that. They're going down. So Doug had a pretty good head on his shoulders. Uh, a Charlotte cop, uh, he started out with, uh, he started out uh, doing baseball with at Crockett Park, where we all kind of started out. I started out there. Klondike Bill started out there. George Tuton Harris started out there. Scott Hall, Danny Spivey, bunch of us started out there, and he started out as the uh, as the security guy there, uh, and uh, built quite a uh, a reputation. Uh, as Dusty used to say. Doug Dellinger's been on the police force 30 years, and he's still a, a buck private. Uh, WCWTF podcast wants to know, what was the typical Nitro schedule like for Tony? What times did he get to the arena or their meetings beforehand? Run us through the day. We got to the arena at noon. Uh, we would have a general production meeting at noon, and then we would uh, break off, and I would basically, uh, and the closer it got to the day, uh, that's when we kind of all got together as announcers and read over the, the, the script again. And sometimes it was so fucked up. We didn't have a script, uh, and the, the script was changed for us. Um, but we would get there at noon and we would, uh, we would have our meeting. The agents would have the meeting with the, with the boys uh, and they would go through that. We would do some pre-tape interviews, let's say about, uh, maybe three in the afternoon or so. And by that time, around five o'clock, it was ready to start getting, you know, start getting ready for the show. And announcers had their own room. And sometimes the booker, be it either Dusty or Kevin Sullivan or even Vince Russo, would come in and and talk to us about some last-minute changes they had and some thoughts they had, and even uh, give us the uh, the changes in the in the format. And then we would do the show, and then we would literally, and I've mentioned this before. Uh, me and Bobby and, and then Mike Tanay and, and Lee Marshall when he was with us and Okerlund, we would literally literally sprint to the car to get out before the fans. Sprint to the point to where we would put our tuxes on and we would pack up our bags and put them in the car so we didn't have to stop by our dressing room. we just run right to the car. Uh, so that was it was a long, long day. And some of the buildings weren't that nice. Some of the buildings were old and had been there around, so you would hang around in some really old dressing rooms. And then later on, they started giving us, uh, they, and this is where WCW is really pissing away money. They started bringing out those, uh, those trailers or those, uh, Winnebago's. Yeah. Buses, buses, and the stars will have their own bus. And they gave the announcers a bus too. It was a, it was a smaller one, like a camper yeah. bus, but it was one that like five or six of us could hang out in during the day. Uh, that they started doing that later on. And of course they fed us, we had a meal during the day where we all, and everybody, you know, the wrestlers and the production people all, you know, ate at the same place and everything. How many Nitro girls did you get in your trailer? I didn't get any good Nitro girls in my trailer. The reason was, is I always ended up in the Nitro girls trailer. You see? You had a good story there? I don't have, no, I have, I, yeah, I, I just would go and sit down. I, I love Spice. She had a great personality. And, uh, is that code for boobs? No, it's not code. For, it's no, there's no code in that at all. 
she was a nice girl and uh melissa was her name wait wait she was a nice girl or a good girl she was a I, boy i don't know how to answer that because well it doesn't matter how i answer that because you're going to spin it anyway at all you, you shithead but i loved melissa and i loved fire and uh terry and i they were just fun to talk to and they would go out so now later on okay as we moved along the nitro girls would go out and they would go out and do their routines and practice in the ring and i'd go out and watch them and uh they would ask me sometimes suggestions on some of the moves and i had no idea what to tell them but i was just glad to be out there to watch them and the guys would come out and they would rehearse a bunch of of crazy spots they would end up fucking up that night anyway uh so that was basically the day as we moved on and as uh things got worse and it was pretty clear that the end was near. I really removed myself from everybody except I, the girls, everybody. Mm. I would get a book and I would sit it in the stands and I, I would remove myself from everybody. And the reason I did that, and I, I, this is, I'm trying to be truthful here. The reason I did that was not because I thought I was better than anybody or I thought uh, that I was above anybody. I didn't want to go in the back with the announcers and hear all of the, the dirt, hear all of the rumors about where WCW was going. I didn't need to hear that Conrad to do my work. I, I really didn't. I, I wanted to stay away from all that rumor and innuendo. Wrong show. Hey, so uh, another question here says, no, I'm trying to, I'm trying to appeal to your, and you don't give a shit. Do you, you just move? No, on. not at all. I okay. almost fell asleep. Okay. Uh, talk to us about the nitro party tapes who screened them and who decided who won every week. And did Tony ever see them before they made air? This has always been fascinating to me because you guys, once upon a time, let's catch everybody up. There would be a spot on nitro where you encourage people to send video of their nitro party in. And then you guys would sponsor them, right? Their own nitro party. So it was a way to get people involved in throwing a party, which I guess means a group of people watching a nitro as opposed to more televisions tuned to nitro in a time when you're in the ratings era, when you really want everyone at their own house watching. Well, okay. Yeah. You, you can say that now, but the idea back then was to build excitement. Sure. And, and I guess my question is, do you remember one of these nitro tapes being one that you're like, Oh, we can't hear this. No, like, I, I didn't watch any of them. In my head, somebody sent some in of them smoking weed yeah. or snorting cocaine or a topless woman. Just like, they're going to watch this. Let's yeah. send something ridiculous. Well, I'm sure they did, but I never saw that. That was screened out by either Craig Leathers or Annette Yoder. Uh, not me. I, I saw it the first time the, the fans saw it. Uh, Jared Rollins, he has the question that we really need to know. Okay. If Klondike Bill had to choose between Asia and Midnight, who would he pick and why? Uh, he would go for both at the same time. Horror movie barbecue wants to know what's your best memory of PN news. My best memory of PN news was the time they put him on that damn scaffold. Great and American the, bash. And, 91 we had the scaffold match. And he was literally shitting his pants. He, shit. he, he was so scared that he shit himself. I, I, I believe he shit himself. He was absolutely petrified to be up there. And I remember thinking, Jesus, this kid, if this kid's going to hurt himself. He's going he's to pass out is what he's going to do. Could Klondike Bill verify that he shit his pants? Not now because Klondike's dead, dumbass. I mean, back then, oh. he, it felt like he'd go around the locker room sniffing. No, not not guys' drawers. Oh, that was your duty. Uh, Hard Movie Barbecue wants to know, I loved Wildcat Willie. Why was he phased out? Yeah. Well, they just trying to cut back on, on things. You know, they, they were paying Michael Buffer a big salary, so I guess they say, 
Is it Buffer or is it Wildcat Willie? Right. Mark Arnold wants to know. I always wanted to know how awkward it was to have Robert Wool appear on Nitro, but only refer to him as his HBO character Arliss. And probably as awkward as re, uh, referring to Tiny Lister as Zeus. Right. Well, there you go. I didn't think yeah. about that. Yeah. Chad Moon wants to know: Did you enjoy shooting at the Techwood Drive Studio in Atlanta? Any extraordinary stories about filming the Saturday shows there? Yeah, I love that. I absolutely loved it because, you know, I, I knew about the Saturday night show and from Gordon Soley doing it from years. And, uh, we had some great talent come through there and that's where, you know, that's where the legend of the horseman began. And, uh, we all always had, what are you laughing about? What do you want? What do you want me to say? I'm listening. Keep it going. Okay. I got the next one I've identified. Okay. okay. Uh, we had, uh, a lot of friends who would pick us up from the Atlanta airport and take us back and forth. Uh, and there was a three, four, what are you looking at me? See, boy, that got your interest, didn't it? That got your interest. I don't mean to cut you off. Okay. Keep going. Uh, and, uh, there was a three fourteen flight that we always tried to make to go back to Charlotte. Sometimes we missed it. And, uh, there was one year I was doing baseball in the Southern league and trying to do a WCW or, or a Saturday night taping on a Saturday morning. And, um, I also remember a lot of, uh, a lot of clusterfucks of, you know, we, we did live to tape back then. You understand that? Yeah. Like, yeah. We did live to tape. Like we do here. Right. Right. So they, they would roll in. In other words, they would, they would do a segment and then they would have an out time and then they would go back and they would fast forward on the tape to the end time for the commercials. I would go back in the back in an audio booth and read the picks earlier in the day or first thing. In other words, world championship wrestling coming to Dayton, Ohio, you know, just read kind of list of towns. I would read those earlier and they would roll those in. Uh, but, uh, that was magic back then, man. It re- really, really was. Matt Jeer says, we're going to get to the funny question in a minute, but first, yeah. uh, he wants to know Mark Madden has said that Bobby Heenan was fired for his drinking. Is this true? Uh, I don't think that's true. Bobby Heenan was fired because they were cutting back and they, they weren't using Heenan. I, I guess Heenan fell out of favor with, with Eric. Did he fall out of favor for drinking on the job? Not that I know of. There's rumor and innuendo that he would get loaded before shows and then phone it in. You were sitting beside him. Are you going to comment on that? Or are you going to pass? I'm going to pass. Okay. Uh, Josh, well, let's say that let's make that another show. Okay. Uh, Josh Kuhn has a phenomenal question. These are the hard-hitting questions our listeners want to know. They haven't been so far? Any good memories of the Ding Dongs? And yes, I mean the team, no. not Tom Zing. That-, <laughs> that got me. That tickled me, Josh. You got me. Uh, good job, Josh, you fuck. Um, I, no, I, the Ding Dongs were before me. They had ixnayed the Ding Dongs by the time I arrived. Did you? If you were there, would you have ixnayed the Ding Dongs? Yeah, that yeah, was terrible. So you don't like ding-dongs? No, no, I didn't like the tag team, the ding-dongs. Okay, thank you for clarifying. Matt De La Rosa wants to know, did you ever talk to Dusty Rhodes, or did he ever share his opinion on the first run of the Goldust character? He never shared his opinion on that. Look, it's pretty, it's pretty apparent to me, and I may be way off base here, and if I am, I apologize to the WWE for this statement. Okay? But it's pretty apparent to me when it's all said and done, Putting polka dots on Dusty. Was a rib. 
and putting Dustin as gold dust. Was a rib. Right. It was it was it was shitting on the Rhodes family. Yeah. So I, I Dusty ignored it. Now, Goldust and Dusty Rhodes both made it work. Of course they did, because they're talented guys. That Goldust character now is more than two decades strong. Yeah. Uh bona fide Hall of Famer. Yeah. And Dusty, you know, whether he whether that was his wish or not, yeah. When he passed away, yeah. more than half the coverage was about him and polka dots. Yeah. So well, they made it work because they were talented, but no, we didn't talk about that. Not at all. Um, KC Funshine wants to know any mm-hmm. memories or stories of working with Gorilla Monsoon. Gorilla Monsoon uh, taught me a lot. They moved me in to challenge as the play-by-play guy where Gorilla Monsoon was at one time doing the play-by-play, if you'll recall, with Heenan on challenge. So I felt very uncomfortable about doing play-by-play. But Gorilla really talked me through it, made me feel at ease, was quite a gentleman about it, loved working with him. I remember, uh, you know, he was quite, uh, Gorilla Monsoon was, was quite the, uh, was quite the gambler at, at, at casinos. Yeah. My question was going to be, when you said he taught you things, I wanted to say the ponies. No, it felt like, no, he didn't No, He just taught me things about, like you, know, Jack. you know, know how Vince liked things, how we should do things in the WWE. Just so nice to me. It was great. So, but I remember we were going into, we were at, uh, we were at Caesars and, uh, he's at the blackjack table and he pulls out a, he pulls out a wad of bills and he, and Heenan looks at him and Heenan says, what in the hell do you have all that money there with you for? And <laughs> Monsoon said, well, I, I might want to buy something. Heenan said, what the hell are you looking to buy a fucking house? It was funny back then, but uh, that's, uh, that was, uh, Gorilla Monsoon. He was very big into, uh, and, uh, boy, the, the guys in the casinos knew him, you know, the, 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 uh, the bosses and that they knew Gorilla Monsoon. He was popular with the pit bosses. Yeah. He's, he, he was well-known. He was high stakes roller. And, uh, but other than that, uh, great man was very, very nice to me in my, in my year that I worked there. Um, and. The story about his death is something we're going to bring up on another show as well, because I've been misrepresented on that grossly. Pero wants to know, uh, what are your thoughts on when Hoovy stripped naked and caused havoc in a Brisbane hotel? Okay. I was not there, but I heard about it. Uh, I just wrote it off as again, the boys overseas doing something crazy. I was in Brussels when they got, they had that big fight where, uh, Coco beware broke the, uh, the whiskey bottle. Do you remember that story? Yeah. And uh, one of, of Vince's uh, right-hand men got fired for that. Uh, there was always something crazy going on on the road, and I, I just walked away from it back then. Uh, rumor and innuendo is uh, that Hoovy was on ecstasy here. Right. Can you tell us about your favorite ecstasy memory? Yeah, I have none. I, 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 I do not take drugs. Maybe if you would have used a little ecstasy, you could have closed the deal on Medusa, you think? Uh, I would have tried, I'm sure. Debra? Which would which would have probably been a bad thing for me to do. And that is why, and that is why, and ask almost anybody, that is why during the Nitro days, not before then, because before then, back in the old Crockett days, I, I ran with Rick and those guys. But during the Nitro days, I went from Nitro to the car, car to the hotel, hotel to the room, never went to the bar. You do that now too, don't you? Yeah, I do that now in baseball. I, because I, what, what year, what year did you become a square? Do you remember the year? Yeah. It had to be like 90, 90, 
1990, maybe, when I came back uh, from the WWE. So, so you've been just Mr. Rogers for 27 yeah, years. Yeah, I have. I, I, I don't go out and do that stuff because if you go out and you drink, you're going to make a fool of yourself. And you're going to do some things that you regret the next day. And now you're going to probably do some things that ends up on YouTube. So it's best to be cautious. And that's a caution, That's a cautionary tale for all of our listeners. So are you not going to act a fool at our live shows? Well, on the live shows I am, but I'm, but I'm not going to go to the bar and hit on women all hiked up on ecstasy or drinking beer or stuff like that. I'm a married man. 36 years, buddy. And so you said that you would do something you regret. Were you sober when you married Lois? <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Furcon wants to know, do you think the NWO angle should have finished at Starcade 97, or do you agree with it uh, continuing past Hogan's lost us thing? No, they, they needed to, to run that thing as far as they could. They shouldn't have stopped it there. Just like anything else in wrestling, you, you run it until it breaks or until you come out of ideas, run out of ideas, and, and obviously we ran out of ideas pretty quickly. Someone calling themselves Tracy Smothers wants yeah. to know if you have any good Tracy, Tracy Smothers stories. Uh, I met Tracy uh, recently when we were at uh, in Allentown, Pennsylvania for the first time. You didn't see him in WCW? Yeah, but I, I just that was the, the that was the interesting story that I had seen him for the first time oh. in a long time. Uh, Tracy was a pretty good worker, but nothing stands out as far as a great story. You want me to make up something? No, let me just say this. If you're listening and Tracy Smothers is doing an independent shot near your town, you need to go. Tracy Smothers knows how to pop an independent crowd. He is quite the entertainer. Is he really? Oh, he's phenomenal. You would love him. Super old school. It's great. He knows exactly how to get the crowd to do what he wants them to do. Well, good. That's good for him because he was a good guy. Um, Randall wants to know when WCW had the junkyard invitational, huh. did you guys have to pay for damages to the junkyard? Uh-huh. It's a junkyard. Yeah, of course. Guys on a junkyard looking to make money. So they probably fleeced us for all the money they could. Fleecing was a part of the business, man. Well, I thought you were supposed to fleece other people. I didn't no, think they were supposed to fleece no, you. No, 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 no. Look, WCW destroyed limousines, uh, wrecked cars, uh, did damage in buildings and backstage. And, and boy, they were just more than willing to pay off, right? Uh, Jake Long wants to know, besides the Yeti, what was the worst gimmick ever in WCW or Jim Crockett promotions? Well, I'm going to think, and I saw it the other day on Twitter, I'm going to think it was the Leprechaun. Really? Yeah, because he kind of ran out and... Uh, was that Kevin Sullivan? No, it was I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> sorry. I think, I think that was Buddy Lee Parker. If I really? Remember, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was Buddy Lee Parker. Wow. Uh, and they knew it. So he runs out, and they they look at that, and they go, boy, did that suck, and didn't do anything with it. That's probably the worst gimmick. Uh, what's your favorite I am uh, Chris Jericho story from Nitro? comes to us from Michael Norton. Uh my favorite Chris Jericho story was that he really liked working with me. At least he said he did because I, I, I had some good reactions to his interviews and he would mispronounce my name on purpose. Ski of own ski of own. Uh, and I knew that that kid was not going to be around with us long because he was too talented. Uh, but, um, 
he was one of the he was one of the few guys that when we would do an interview we would kind of uh kind of rehearse it and go back and forth with it uh because i appreciated his work on doing the interviews he's the one that got ralphus right he's the one that looked at ralphus and said shit i gotta do something with this ugly bastard Boog wants to know, do you know why Sting stopped dyeing his hair and started growing it out? Was this a Bischoff call or something Sting decided to do on his own? Sting decided to do it on his own. Just to update the look, not be so 80s? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a, a lot of guys, uh, and I don't know, I always thought that the WWF had more control over their guys, the look, and had more uh, control over what, ha- what the guys look. Uh, WCW kind of let the guys do what they wanted to do. So if you want to grow your hair out, sure, grow your hair out. Jared Robertson wants to know, any idea why there are two R's in Starcade? No, I do not. Dusty, just one or two R's, right? It's got to be. Yeah. Um, he's got all the stars in the world. What's better than one R, two well, R? <laughs> well, okay. Two R's in Starcade made it something unique. Sure. So that's the reason. I mean, that that to me, that's logical. Uh, Mr. Jackson says, can Tony describe his experience on the bruise cruise and what activities he and the wrestlers took part in with yes. fans? Yes, I can. I've got a great bruise cruise story. Really? Oh yeah. Was there Bukaki? Uh, no, this has to do with Lois Shivani. Lois Shivani did Bukaki. <laughs> no. Okay. For crying out loud. Well, I don't know. I said okay. Bukaki and you're like, Lois, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> no. that escalated quickly. This, this is a true story. Uh, Dennis Brent. Uh, who was listening to the show. Does he listen to the show? He does. He messages me all the time. Okay. Uh, Dennis, uh, you'll remember the story, uh, because, uh, you and your wife, uh, were great people and, uh, really put a lot of effort in WCW. Uh, I'm going to preface this story by saying Lois and I arrived, uh, in Jamaica to meet the Bruce Cruz. We did half a Bruce Cruz and Jr. and, I guess Jan, I don't know if Jan was with him at that time or not. I guess she was. Yeah, sure. JR and Jan did half of it and Lois and I did the other half. So JR, so Lois and I flew into Jamaica when the Bruce Cruz docked in Jamaica, uh, Jan and JR flew back to Atlanta. So we took the spot. So you would always have at the end of the Bruce Cruz, a captain's dinner, which was a real nice dinner where everybody dressed up with a tie and the, the women dressed up nice and they had... I remember they had baked Alaska for dessert. It was really, really nice. All right. So I'm setting the stage for that. Now, so when Lois and I arrived in uh, in Jamaica the night before, we spent the night in Jamaica before the ship arrived. And we were eating at the hotel. It was a Wyndham Hotel in Jamaica. And we were eating at the hotel. And it was a buffet. And they had flan. You ever eaten flan? I have. Okay. Lois never eaten flan before. So I, I, I took a bite of it. And she said, how is that? I said, it's good. She said, well, let me take a bite. So she opened her mouth and I got a piece of flan and she took a bite off the fork. And hated the texture. Hated hated the texture, spitted it out. Spit it, okay. There's the setup to the story. So now fast forward, we're at the end of the cruise and Dennis Brent and his wife are with us. There are fans with us all at this table. And, of course, Lois is now the center of attention because she doesn't know when to shut up. She really doesn't. And back then it was worse. And so the Bake Alaska came out. And I 
bit into the baked Alaska, and she said to me, how does that taste? And I said, good. And I did with my fork like that. She said, oh, no. You're not going to stick us. Uh, you're not going to stick something in my mouth like you did two nights ago that tastes like shit. <laughs> and as soon as she got it out of my, her mouth, everybody went, oh. Well, because they knew you had been at the karaoke bar with Tom Zink <laughs> no. before you went to your room that night. It's not going to taste like that horrible thing you stuck in my mouth the other night. True story. Dennis can address that. Uh, and uh, we went to the show. And I think I've told this on an, on an earlier episode and they, you know, they have shows going on on the, the, the cruise was really, really nice by the way. Uh, and they have, uh, shows going on and they had this, uh, they had these clowns on stage who would come up and do these crazy things. And I was standing there with sting on the balcony and sting says, Hey, those son of a bitches are doing my spots, which I thought that was funny that the clowns were doing stings spots. So, it is. okay. But Lois, they had paint on their face too. Yes. So I was having a thing stuck. They're in not in the Hall of Fame either. <laughs> the Observer Hall of Fame, not the WWE one. Okay. Uh, so there's there's the story. That's that's one of the famous stories in our marriage. We we tell that often about how she made it seem like I stuck something in her mouth. We did. Well, a fork. Flan. <laughs> Flan. That's our new code word for your gimmick. <laughs> Flan. The button on the curve, <laughs> easy for me to say, and flan. Flan. Uh, ben Martin wants to know, who talked Tony into going on the scaffold for the Skywalkers match at 86? Was he scared being up that high? Yes, I was. But you didn't have to talk me into doing it. If they wanted me to do it, I did it. it it's that simple. So there was no talking me into it. They said, would you do this? And I went, yeah, sure. And it was very, very scary up there. It really was. I couldn't imagine... You know, I couldn't imagine running or slamming or hitting each other. I mean, uh, just, it was, it, it was, in theory, it, it was great, but in execution, it was really shitty. Stevie wants to know, what was it like to work with Bob Cottle? Any favorite stories with him? And Bob Cottle was one of the most wonderful men in the world. And, uh, is, is, was one of the most wonderful men in the world to work with. And, you know, uh, when, uh, when they canceled the NWA Fan Fest. Yeah. He was really upset about that sure, because he wanted to be able to see me and Jr. again and get together with us. And I've often thought about going out to Raleigh and, and you know, having dinner with he and his wife, just a great gentleman. You know, uh, you may know this or the fans may not know this. You know, he worked in politics in North Carolina for a long time. He worked with Senator Jesse Helms. I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, yeah. He was uh, one of Jesse's right-hand men and uh, just a great man to work with. Uh, I was uh, driving the, we were trying to get to the airport from, um, we'd worked a show at the Nassau Coliseum, may have been the bunkhouse stampede. We were trying to get, get to LaGuardia airport and it was me and Jr. and Bob Cottle and I don't know who else was with us. And I was driving like I always do. And I had the map in my lap driving like 90 miles an hour because we were late to get to the airport. And back then, uh, getting late to the airport wasn't like it is today. And Bob always tells that story that I never will forget the fact that you were driving 90 miles an hour on the, uh, the grand central parkway with a lap, uh, with the map in your lap, looking down the map and looking up and we, and you didn't wreck us. So, uh, that's one of the Bob Cottle stories that I have remember of him. Uh, not only that, Bob Cottle was the first announcer I watched doing pro wrestling when I was a fan. So that has a very special place in my heart. 
Uh, Josh Kuhn wants to know any crazy Big Papa pump stories you what? can share. Yeah. Does Josh just, is that like the third Josh Kuhn question has been asked? He's bringing good questions, the, man. Okay. Uh, Big Papa pump stories. No, I told my Big Papa pump story that, you know, that, that Scott kept screwing up an, an interview one time and I jumped on his ass about doing it. And after I got it out of my mouth, I'm thinking, oh, shit. He's going to, you know, he's going to go crazy on me or he's going to push me or something. But he just laughed at me, uh, which shows that real deep down deep inside, uh, he was a, a good guy. There was one time, and I've, if I've told this story before, I'm sorry. You can always raise your hand if I've told it before, okay? Okay. All right. They were, uh, JJ, as the uh, commissioner of WCW, was going to suspend Big Papa Pump for his actions. And J.J. came out to the set at Nitro. That's back when the, the set was away from the ring. And he was talking to us during a break, and he says, we are going to suspend uh, Big Scott Steiner for his actions. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it. He's going to come out, and before he gets to the set, I am going to put my hands up and stop him from getting here. And I looked at Heenan, and Heenan said, you're not going to stop shit. Big Papa Pump is going to come up on this stage and run us all off. And, and I remember JJ said, no, he's not. We've talked about it. I'm going to put my hands up and I'm going to stop him. As soon as JJ came to the set. And as soon as we saw big Papa pump go through, um, the curtain or come through the entranceway, we bolted, we ran, we didn't wait. And sure enough, if you'll recall, he destroyed a lot of things that night, including part of our set. So there was, so, so when the, uh, when the lights were on, when the cameras were rolling, so to speak, whatever cliche you want to use, uh, and he became big Papa pump, he was really out of control, but really in the backstage area, he was a pretty good kid. You see, that's, what's fun about the wrestling business to me is you get to see what happened in front of the camera, but then we get to talk about what happened behind the camera for years. Like right now over at GoPro wrestling, you can check out Lex Luger talking about the WrestleMania 10 rumor where he was supposed to win the world title. Cody Rhodes shares a DX story and why he wanted to end the Stardust gimmick in the WWE. And of course, we've got a one-hour interview with Vader. He's going to open up about having two years to live and even shoot on Paul Orndorff and many others. You can also check out Greg the Hammer Valentine ripping his old tag team partner Brutus Beefcake. DDP has some great stories about the Monday Night Wars. And Maria Bennett, who just returned to the WWE with her husband, gives a phenomenal interview where she rips Donald Trump. Much more in the archives and new ones coming out all the time. New videos and interviews are posted weekly. Just go relive these great memories by subscribing to the GoPro Wrestling YouTube channel and turn your notifications on. Then hit that subscribe button and share the channel with your friends. You're all set. And our man Andrew is actually giving away free weekly prizes. All you've got to do is subscribe and then drop him an email at GoProWrestling at gmail.com. Include your YouTube ID and your email, and you'll automatically be entered into that weekly contest. You can also follow him over on Twitter at GoPro Wrestling. But most importantly, relive the great memories of professional wrestling right now on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash GoPro Wrestling. Bob Connors wants to know any good WCW Nitro Grill stories? No, none. I think I went to it one time. Sorry uh, about that. Davenport wants to know if you got offered a pro wrestling announcing gig, would you take it? I would not. Uh, Nick says now, can I, can I back up here? Yeah. If I was offered a pro wrestling producer's job, I might take it. I wouldn't mind working in the backstage area. I don't want to announce any more wrestling. 
but I wouldn't mind being a producer. I'd love that. Hypothetically, if somebody wanted you to give color and play-by-play for Sonny's adult film, would you do that? I have to be paid up front. Cash up front and you'll do it? Yeah. Well, no. No, I wouldn't do it. Well, I mean, here's my question, I, I guess. crying out loud. What? I mean, I've got it. I work for the I work for the Braves and I work for the Georgia Bulldogs. How would they think about me doing that? You're doing this embarrassing shit show right now. <laughs> what do they think of that? Well, I don't. I don't know. This is not like doing porn, though. I wouldn't. Think. No, you're not doing the porn. You're just giving commentary for it. You could do it under a fake name. Really? Call it Tony Skivone. <laughs> you could do it in Jr.'s voice. You could say, "Good God Almighty, she's broken in half. Stop the damn match." He's stomping a mud hole in her and walking it dry. Oh, she's tougher than a $2 steak. Business is about to pick up, I think. Yeah. Yeah. She's tougher than a government mule. Stuff like that. Okay. You don't think? Yeah. Let's, let's, let's move on. Okay. Um, Nick wants to know, what was your favorite jobber gimmick in WCW? My favorite jobber gimmick in WCW? Boy, that's a good question. I, uh. I always like the uh, I always like the jobbers who who were just themselves. I don't know if, uh, if a gimmick w- was good or not. Uh, I liked uh, George South. I liked Sam Houston, and of course they had one time given Sam a push. Uh, I liked Nelson Royal, uh, who was a jobber uh, late in his career. Uh, the Mulkies, obviously, just guys who were themselves, not necessarily ones that had a gimmick. Because if a jobber had a gimmick, it kind of took away from the star. I agree. Uh, Will Ortiz wants to know who has more heat with Lois, Deborah, Medusa, Tom Zink, Rey Mysterio, or Kid Romeo? Uh, none, because Lois knows this is all well, you're all you're doing. So she has the most heat with me. Yeah, I would think so. Deborah, I mean, she doesn't listen. I almost called your wife Deborah. Lois yeah. doesn't listen. Okay. Come on. Um, Thank God for that. As a fan and an announcer, favorite events you've witnessed. Don't fucking say boss man Hogan in the cage. Well, that's my favorite one as an announcer. Why, right. why shouldn't I say that? Fuzz wants to know, okay. but best rib you ever saw. Okay. Can I say as a fan, the best match I ever saw? Sure. Okay. 1978 kiss is performing in concert on new year's Eve at the Greensboro Coliseum. It's the love gun tour. Uh, we go in on Friday night, me and a bunch of friends. We see kiss that night. And on Saturday, on Sunday afternoon, we see Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. We were told that it was going to be Dusty Rhodes and the New World Tag Team Champions. This is the previous show. Uh, Tom Miller got up and said, uh, wrestling comes back to the Greensboro Coliseum on New Year's Day, 1979, or maybe 1978, uh, when the New World Tag Team Champions, the American Dream and Dusty Rhodes and Dick Slater will take on Ric Flair and Greg Valentine. And we went, holy shit, we're coming back for that. So now we go to the event, and they had switched the tag team belts to the Andersons. So we were pissed because we wanted to see Dusty and Dick Slater because you didn't see them many times. And that was one of the things that, the great things about wrestling back then, they would bring in stars from other areas that you only read about in Bill Lapter's magazines, and you didn't see, and they were kind of a draw if they would come and wrestle. So anyway, we got there. And we're pissed off that it was the Andersons, now the World Tag Team Champions. But they had one of the most dynamic wrestling matches, tag team, I've ever seen. And I remember me and my friend Hippie looking at each other saying, this is, 
This is this match is a motherfucker, man. This is a tremendous match. Four way blood, just old school telling a story, selling, going at it, uh, and uh, Flair and Valentine won the World Tag Team Championships that day. That match remains in my mind as a fan the greatest match I'd ever seen. And I had seen some Flair and Steamboat matches too that were great, but nothing like that. Uh, and then there's Bog- Hogan and Boss Man at Madison Square Garden as an announcer. Fuzz wants to know what's the best rib you ever saw? <laughs> Me talking and doing this show? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's got to be it. Me, yeah. Uh, I, I thought the, uh, I thought you know the giant uh, shitting in, in our toilet we, story we've told, Kurt Hennig uh, almost throwing the guy, uh, Stasiak on the uh, Stasiak on the on the whole ramp yeah. Yeah, on the ramp. That was a pretty good rib as well. There were so many ribs that you know we just they, they've kind of got lost in the shuffle here. Jeff wants to know: Do you have any special elegante stories? Uh, I remember when uh, Jim Hurd introduced him. Here he is, Elegante. And uh, the kid really tried pretty hard, I thought. Uh, but, yeah. What match in history do you wish you would have called? Which match in history? Yeah. Yeah, Rick, uh, Ricky Steamboat and... Um, Flair from 89? No. Uh, Ricky Steamboat and uh, Macho Man Randy Savage from oh. WrestleMania 3. There you go. Um, did Bischoff ever try to get Ted Turner to appear on Nitro? Uh, not that I was aware of. So the answer would be no. Horror movie barbecue wants to know any fun stories involving Rip Rogers being thrifty. No, I, I didn't know Rip at all. Not at all. Any good stories about working with the announcers, Dave Penzer, uh, Dr. Tom Miller, or Gary Michael Capetta? Uh, I work with Dave, Dave Penzer. Uh, David was... I was in charge, uh, it was handed to me by Craig Leathers. I was in charge of all the announcers back when David Penzer was our ring announcer. So I got to know David a lot better uh, than I got to know the rest of them. I didn't know Gary Capetta that well. Uh, I mean, we knew each other, but not as close as David and I did. Uh, And uh, David was a a great ring announcer. I guess he's doing some more stuff now again. Yeah, he's doing a podcast right now. But I also, is he back on... uh, on uh, Jared's show, Impact. Dave Penzer. Somebody said he was. Uh, who watches that? <laughs> so, so anyway, I, I had a dive. Tom Miller was to me the greatest ring announcer ever, uh, and but Tom had a a, a severe drinking problem, and uh, it really it it curtailed his career as not only a uh, a, a great ring announcer and, and a guy that we used in wrestling. But he had a show, Truck and Tom Miller show. Yeah, uh, that was one of the biggest radio shows ever in in the Charlotte, North Carolina area with with truckers overnight, and and drinking ruined that for him too, and that's a tragedy. And another cautionary tale. George wants to know who was fired and brought back more times, Buddy Landell or Junkyard Dog? Yeah, it would be Junkyard Dog. I, the, Buddy Landell was fired and brought back, but that last time he was fired, they didn't bring him back at all. Greg says you once alluded to Nikita, maybe not being the most popular amongst the boys. Right. Could you elaborate on that? Well, Nikita was, uh, Nikita believed his gimmick or I shouldn't say believed his gimmick. Nikita lived his gimmick. He kayfabe everybody, everybody. 
And I don't think the guys really appreciated that to the point to where he changed his name legally to Nikita S. Koloff. That's his real name now. Wow. Uh, so, and he, and, he, and he was talking that fucked up accent to the horseman and backstage in real life. To and, all of us. Yeah. To all of us. Uh, Jason Thompson wants to know, was being kissed by the boogie woogie man, the highlight of your Saturday night hosting career? I, yeah, I, I enjoyed it because, uh, <laughs> but wait a minute. Uh, yeah, that was, I like that because it, uh, I got a lot of reaction from a lot of people, you know, a lot of my friends about that. And even my mom, and my mom passed away in 1990. Even my mom, who used to watch it, says, it kills me when the boogie-woogie man kisses you. Well, was he a good kisser? Well, it was a working kiss. Uh, when you kiss Tom Zink, is that a working kiss or is that shoot? Yeah, that's that's a working kiss. I think I, I've, I've made it known on this podcast uh, that everything I did was a work, right? Including this very podcast. <laughs> Yeah, apparently so. We might be working ourselves into a shoot with Lois, though. <laughs> uh, Jason Thompson wants to know if you can give your thoughts on New Breed from the Crockett years. Yeah, they were, boy, they were so talented. Uh, and those kids could really go. And then they had that horrible crash uh, in South Carolina where they were ejected from the car and went right through the windshield. And that, re- that basically put the end of their career. Uh, but they had that gimmick with... Uh, you know, the Back to the Future gimmick, uh, they could do a lot of shit, man. I thought they were I thought they were going to be a – and I, they were going to be a big-time uh, tag team for Jim Crockett Promotions. But that wreck changed everything for them, which is sad. Carl wants to know, who was the best talker that never got credit as a good talker? Boy, that's a great question. I, I think Tully was. I think Tully, as far as talking is concerned, probably lived – uh, in the shadow of Flair and Arn, who were the best talkers, but Tully gave serious, straight up, good interviews. Magnum TA was another one who was a great talker. Uh, Magnum was kind of like a, in many ways, we brought this up before, many ways like a Jake the Snake Roberts talker, serious. And uh, so those guys were, but, but really Tully, I, I thought Tully was very underrated as a talker. He was a great worker, great athlete. Uh, but was uh, as good as those other guys, but always, as far as interviews are concerned, was behind Flair and Arn in that. Has Tony ran into Ray or the Seaman since the start of the podcast? I so, no, I'm not. Well, you'd rather them run into you, right? <laughs> well, I'd like to. I'd like to see him. I'd like to. Somebody had put uh, a picture of Tom Zink on Twitter. I'd like to. I'd like to see how Tom is doing now. I'd like to check in on him. I. Uh, if you know how to get a hold of Tom, please send me a DM. Yeah, send. Uh, hey, hey, it's Conrad. I'd love to yeah. play matchmaker here on this. No, program. come on now. Look, I, I, I have a. I shouldn't even say this, because you'll misconstrue it, and it'll get out on the social media. Uh, but I have, uh, I have a great love in my heart for the the guys I worked with, and I'd like to catch up with them. I'd like to see them again. I don't think that's weird at all. Yeah. No. It's, no, <laughs> looking at me now, you don't, but I know, you know, you'll, you'll jab a little rumor and innuendo bullshit in there. Like for instance, what, what okay. Tom Zink jabs in you okay. has nothing to do with Okay, me. That's between y'all. <laughs> so, I'll give you the perfect example. Uh, when, when Scott Hall was having very, very bad problems. We talked about this on the show. You wanted yeah. to call him. Yeah. I wanted to call him. Uh, I, I really want to reconnect with people. I really do. I, I think reconnecting with, uh, with fans 
online like we've been doing here on Twitter uh, and going to the shows, going to the live shows that we're starting to do and, and the autograph signings. And I, I love that connecting with fans because I was a big wrestling fan and I want to connect with the guys that I've lost contact with. And Tom Zink's one of them that I lost. Con- Paul Orndorff's another I've lost contact with. I can get you his number. Uh, you can? Yeah. Jody Hamilton's another I've lost contact with. The Assassin. Uh, Ricky Steamboat. I've lost contact. I mean, I can just I, give you I a lunch. You, I can get you him. Uh, Michael PSAs. I've lost contact with You'll him. see him Sunday. <laughs> hey, um, here's a great question. Okay. How's the daughter's wedding plan coming along? Yeah. Congratulations and best wishes to all. Any truth to the rumor that Z-Man is working the bachelorette party? <laughs> no, not that I know. Uh, it, it's going okay. It's, it's going slow. I'm... I'm still trying to call together the money. Thanks to you, Conrad. I'm, it's going to get paid for. But uh, it, it's uh, the good news is she doesn't live at home. She lives with her fiancé. So I'm kind of removed on it. Her and her mom will get into a spat uh, now and then about... Uh, Planning aspects. About, oh, yeah. At least a lot of drama in that bullshit. And I try to stay away from it. So it's going well. She's a Listen, my daughter is just a wonderful girl. And I had mentioned to her, and, and I'm... And I'm, I'm sincere about this. I had mentioned to her that she grew up with four brothers and everything growing up with her was ba- in our house was baseball or wrestling, but mostly baseball. And she would spend her entire weekends at baseball parks with her brother. So I thought that I would, uh, I would, whatever she wanted to do for her wedding reception, I would do regardless of the price. Sure. So we're doing it upright for her. Well, and I'll tell you what, you're doing it up right, right now over at uh, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash WHW, and you can help pay for this wedding. Uh, it was a little heartfelt moment there from Tony Schiavone, and now it's time to give me the hot tag, <laughs> and you can actually sport the hot tag shirt. All you've got to do is go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash WHW. The one that maybe is my new favorite, it's Parker's Jump Rope Academy. Of course, we're talking about Colonel Robert Parker and his tripod situation he's mm-hmm. rocking. Pasta still rules. It's a throwback to our first nitro episode. Uh, maybe the classic shirt that I dig the most though. It's the big gold. It's low on the shirt. It's angled. It's spray painted WHW reminiscent of the old NWO air guitar. Uh, you can also check out the Thompson thunder shirt. You've got eat, sleep, block, repeat. One of Tony's favorites, the slap dicks shirt. Uh, of course you can pick up the staple. Now I'm a Tom Zink guy, mm. but the most popular shirt on the entire site right now at prowrestlingtees.com forward slash WHW is what damn. I am good. There you go. Ole Anderson sported it on TV in 85 yep. and 86. And now you can in 2017, damn, I am good. Flair hit it first is really popular in my household, but my favorite lounge around the house shirt is still bill's glass bottom boat ride tours check them out right now at prowrestlingtees.com forward slash whw and remember you're going to be helping a shivani get married and boy that's the purpose of the whole damn show that's, that's exactly right uh and when you purchase a shirt here what happens what happens what happens i shit in a bag and put it on your front porch and light it and you come and you stomp it out what do you think happens i call you on the phone well, i was trying to let new listeners know <laughs> How they could get a call from you okay. and experience the Thanks. same misery that I am experiencing right now. No, I, I call you uh, on the phone and uh, talk to you. Thank you for uh, listening to the podcast, getting a shirt, because it 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 blows my mind that I'm selling shirts. Uh, and I appreciate this. Uh, 
and I talk to you and answer whatever questions you want. Some guys will keep me on for uh, many minutes. Some guys uh, will say, you know, I know you got a lot of things you got to do, so I won't keep you, and are very, very kind. Uh, they all, Everybody is very kind to me, and again, I love connecting with the fans like I told you earlier. This is one of the ways I can do it and give back something to them. When I hear the term, you were the soundtrack of my childhood, that's flattering. That is damn flattering, and I appreciate that. So it's worth my time to call you. It really is. I think it would be great if we could get your commentary and your WCW voice Mm -hmm. onto other applications. Really? Like not wrestling, but use that voice calling something else. It would be fun. Right. Like porn. Oh God. Why would you assume that? Because you brought that up earlier on the, on the broadcast. I don't even remember that. Uh, while working for WCW, did Tony ever pay for a WWF pay-per-view? No. Oh yes, I did. Which one do you remember? Yeah. Um, the, what was the one where, uh, Doink and the clown and Jerry, the King Lawler, and they all ran around in circles. Um, and Jerry Lawler had his midgets. Uh, oh, oh, you're, you're talking about Survivor Series Survivor 94, Series. maybe? Survivor Series 94. That's what it. a random fucking, why did you get that? Uh, I had friends come down from Connecticut to spend Thanksgiving with us. And they wanted to see it. They wanted to see it. Oh, yeah, okay. so we bought it. Of all the shows to buy. And the the kids, I'm telling you, the kids really popped about the uh, the <laughs> little people running around. Kids enjoyed that. That was well done. Uh, favorite food to grill outside besides kielbasa? Uh, it would be hamburgers. Easy to do. Hot dogs. And, you know, I I don't like grilling steak outside because I never think I get it right. So that would be my. Who's your current favorite female musician? Female musician. Uh, it would be Taylor Swift. What current wrestler do you think could have been a good horseman for the fourth between Rick, Tully, Arn, and an insert a current wrestler? Current wrestler that's wrestling right now today. If you could transport him back to 1986 and stick him in with Rick, Tully, and Arn, who would it be? Uh, it would be, uh, well, I don't watch the stuff that much, so it's probably difficult for me to say. But, uh, huh, I don't know. Would it have been, uh, I don't know. Let me think about that. Let's move on. What was your favorite town to do shows in? Favorite town to do shows in? Yeah. Uh, Probably was uh, Baltimore. Great great restaurants. Great fan support. Philadelphia's close second. When you were in Baltimore, what was your favorite restaurant? Sabatino's? Sabatino's, yeah. What do you get there? Uh, Who knows? We were mostly drunk. Fleer gets fruity tomorrow, which is the pasta with every type of really yeah i know we would get clams casino that's the first time i ate that there and i know there would be hundreds maybe thousands of dollars of food and booze that would never get eaten people just focusing on the drinks yeah yeah, exactly yeah and uh but the sabatinos uh i guess they're still there still there yeah yeah they were they were known for their gigantic portions uh and uh, that was that was my favorite, and I, and I liked it down on the uh, Inner Harbor too. These, down there, these days all the boys are uh, are going are not going there. 
or not? No, they're going to Jimmy's Famous Seafood. Really? Yeah. Uh, they have a, a menu that's catered after wrestling, and all like items are named after wrestling. Oh, okay. The staff is wearing wrestling themed shirts. And, oh, so and, and the boys get a break on, the, or they get free food, or what? I can't imagine the boys get a ticket at all. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Okay. Um. What NWA era pay-per-view main event level match would Tony have booked that didn't happen? Wow. Good question. I'm trying to think of what didn't happen back then, main event. We're NWA era. We're talking about pre-1990, right? Yeah. In the in the late 80s? Yeah. Uh, that did not happen. Um, I would have... I would have liked to seen the Rock and Roll Express against uh, Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. Did that ever happen? Not on pay per view. Yeah, on pay. I would have liked to seen that only because I knew the Rock and Roll Express could sell, and I knew that Flair and Arn Anderson knew how to lead a match. I think, and I'm, I'm saying this from somebody from the inside, not a fan looking from the outside. I just think that would have been a great match because you had some great performers. Why not keep the Hollywood Blondes together longer? They people change, we changed our mind all the time, and probably the probably uh, Hillman and um, Austin and Austin didn't want to do it any longer. Jonathan wants to know: besides Deborah's final appearance for WCW, mm. what was the saddest moment of your career? Saddest moment of my career? I think the saddest. Be be bluntly honest with you: the saddest moment of my career was going back to WCW. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Talk- after, after I got back there, it was sad. Uh, B. Ferg wants to know, how come Arn Anderson never got a run as world champ? Arn was a great worker and had great promos. Yeah, he did. But uh, I, I, don't, I don't think promoters thought of him in the same vein as they did uh, a Ric Flair. Why that is, I don't know. Back in the day, and I'm talking about back in like in the 70s, 60s, Arn Anderson would have been a great world champion, a Harley Race type or Jack Briscoe type that would come in right to the territory, give you a great match, cut you a great promo to get people in the building, wrestle your great baby face, and uh, give you a great match. But back in the day, uh, Arn Anderson didn't wrestle back in the day. He wrestled in the Ric Flair era. Uh, Any memories of WCW referees Randy Anderson and Mark Curtis? Uh, more Randy Anderson than Mark. Well, Mark Curtis, of course, uh, passed away. Both have. Both have passed away. But Mark passed away with stomach cancer. We all went to Knoxville to honor him one night. Heenan was there and I was there. Uh, and uh, and I guess this was the, during Smoky Mountain Wrestling. We all went out and honored him. Uh, Randy Anderson was, you know, another redneck from Rome, Georgia, like Arn Anderson. Uh, and watch, we can do this now because we all got the, the network, uh, but, but watch some of the matches uh, that Randy Anderson and Mark Curtis refereed in and watch how active they were and watch how they made the matches look real. Some of the other announcers, some of the other referees just kind of stayed in the corner. And didn't react a lot to what was going on. Some of the other ones did. Uh, Curtis and Randy were like Tommy Young word that they did. And that's why they were they were good at it. I'm the one that gave Mark Curtis the name Shooter. 
I didn't know that. Yeah, I am. Because uh, a some, man got in the ring and he got beat his ass. He, damn right he did. Uh, Joseph wants to know, what was Bobby Heenan's okay hand gesture a sign for? Uh, okay hand gesture he would yeah he would do this on tv a lot we assume at home whenever you see somebody do something like that it's kind of like uh the ref the boxing referee miles who would touch his ear which was for his wife at home right and that that could have been it okay i'll just answer all the questions from now on that's okay (laughs) uh john john wants to know was the wcw all-nighter screened in the mid 90s a real event at somebody's house or was it filmed in a studio it was filmed at a hotel room or suite at the omni hotel uh, Change Blue Lightning wants to know. I know Tony and Arn are close. Any other personal favorites from the Monday Night War era? Uh, as far as personal favorites? Yep. Uh, Arn, Rick, uh, personal favorites. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page uh, was a personal favorite of mine. Uh, the Macho Man Randy Savage, uh, who uh, I always have uh, an affection for. Just a great guy. Wayne wants to know, uh, what happened with the six man tag team titles? They weren't around very long. No, they weren't. They just got kind of lost in the shuffle. One of the belts ended up at my house. Where did it go? I, it's up in the attic there. I think somewhere we've talked about this. Yeah. You said you were going to take it out for me. I I can't find it. Listen, are we talking about your penis? Look, no, look, look, we've lived in that house almost. (laughs) I got you on that one. You sure did. We've lived in that house almost 30 years. We've had five kids. Do you imagine how much junk is in that attic? I got dibs on that damn belt. I know you do. Okay. Okay. Uh, Dominic wants to know, what are your thoughts on the late ravishing Rick Rude? Uh, Rick Rude was a tremendous performer. Uh, and obviously, I, I guess, you know, uh, I guess drugs are what did him in. Uh, I went to his funeral, and uh, I remember Barry Darso saying when I got there, uh, Barry came over to me, and he said, do you want to see Rick? And I said, really, I don't. I never did like looking at people in caskets. Yeah. And he said, I think you should come see him to pay respects to the family. So I did. And unfortunately that's how I remember him laying in the casket. And, and, and that's terrible. And I also had heard, I don't know if did Bischoff put this in his book or if you heard the story, that Bischoff showed up there that day and the family wanted Bischoff removed. No, I don't remember that. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard that story that they didn't let him come in or they asked him to leave. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but I had heard that, that after that happened, wow. which is terrible. It's absolutely terrible that they would do that. Because well, well, but that's wrong. What a fucked up business this is. Yeah. Like exactly. It's like that even exists. Exactly. Exactly. You know, the, whatever wrestling bullshit exists. Yeah. When somebody dies. I know. Man, let's check some of the kayfabery at the door. You know? Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying that's kayfabe, but you know what I mean? It's just like. Yeah. He's not there to get over on him one last time. No, like, he's you not. Know. I mean, yeah, exactly. And and that's wrong. And Eric did say what you want to about him. We've said this. He's, he's a misunderstood guy. Yes, he's a misunderstood guy. And he did a lot of great things for this business. You know, he's, he was in the heat position for a long time where he had to make decisions, yes or no. And yes, he's admitted he did get a little power hungry at times, or maybe he was a little aggressive, but that's what it took to win. You're damn and, right. You and, had, because he was the boss. And along the way, you know, he probably hurt some feelings, but he had so much going on. There's no way he could give everybody all the ample time they really needed. No. These days, he's got plenty of time for everybody. <laughs> 
Uh, and I'm not saying that in a, in a negative way. Right. I'm just saying back then you're running a, a billion dollar company. Mm-hmm. You got a lot of stuff going on, yeah. man. And, uh, well, it goes back to, and I know this, this conversation is moving away from rude to Eric, but it goes back to when Eric got the job, we were in the, we were downstairs and he told me he got the job and I hugged him and I discovered when I hugged him, he wasn't the hugging type Yeah. <laughs> after I hugged him and he and Laurie and Lois and I all went out to dinner that night and celebrated at this Mexican restaurant in Atlanta, and which has now been torn down. It's on Peachtree and, or on Spring, one of those two roads that are parallel to each other. And I remember telling him that night, I said, you're going to change. Yeah. And he said, no, I'm not. I said, yes, you are going to change. You can't help it. You that, have to. That, I said, the business is going to change. You've got to change because... You're not one of the announcers now. You're and you can't one. be well-liked by right. everybody. You're making decisions right. that are going to affect everyone. Right. And you just can't be the top guy right. and be everybody's friend. Right. So going back to that, if in fact that's a true story, that was wrong. But that's not the first time I've heard something like that happen in the business, where somebody was not allowed to go to somebody's funeral. So, uh, and that's, that's just wrong. You, you know, everybody's going to be able to go to my funeral. Um, since you're an ordained minister, I want you to preside over it. We'll have Bruce do it. He'll bury you one last time. Uh, I just freestyled that. I'm pretty proud of that too. Uh, CB wants to know what the hell was WCW thinking with Arachnaman? Yeah. WCW wasn't thinking. We brought that up before we were full of shit. Arachnaman, the goddamn candy man. That's all bullshit that came from Jim Hurd's leadership. Why do you hate everyone who is Hispanic or wears a mask? I do not hate everyone who's Hispanic and everyone who wears a mask. Whataburger or In-N-Out? In-N-Out. In-N-Out. Amen. Man, that's We finally get along with something. That's the best. Wow. Uh, Do you remember he's got a bicycle? No. Apparently, I guess you called the match where you said, he's got a bicycle. (laughs) Really? I don't remember that. I don't remember that at all. Um... (laughs) Were you around for the discussions of Joey Styles coming in? I was not. I didn't know those discussions existed. I'm sure they did, though, I'm, because I know that near the end, there was a lot on the booking committee wanted to shelve my ass, so they probably wanted Joey to come in. If Klondike Bill were inducted into the Hall of Fame, who should induct him and why? It's got to be you, right? You've brought Klondike Bill into the hearts and minds of well, hundreds of thousands of people here. Yeah, I did, but maybe maybe a member of the Crockett family should induct him. Or, you know, his grandson, Christopher, who listens to us, should induct him. Oh, here's a fun question. Hey, Conrad, are you coming to the Tony Schiavone bobblehead night in Gwinnett on August 26th? No, I'm not. But you can actually get a Tony Schiavone bobblehead if you'll just show up to the Gwinnett Braves game on, on August 26th. That's right. right. Yeah. First 2,500 fans on Saturday the 26th. Uh, and I'm, they're, I'm not going to even announce the game that night. Uh, they're going to have me sign autographs out in front there. and Oh, so you'll be home early. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's exactly right. And meet and greet the fans that night. Uh, I'm going to have a big – why don't you come? Yeah, I know why you don't come. You don't like coming to Atlanta. No, that's not true. I'm, a- I'm actually going to be on stage accepting an award really? from the Podcast Academy. Oh. Uh, Bruce and I have, are going to win Sports Podcast of the Year. Tremendous. Yeah, thank you, sir. And we're some of the keynote speakers. We're going to tell people how to blow their shit up. And <laughs> right, um, right. 
So I'll be in Los Angeles, okay. but, so I can't be there. But I would love one of those bobbleheads. Can you get me yes, one? Yes, I'll get you one. I've got a flare bobblehead over there from the right. lottery in North Carolina a few years ago. Right. And it would be pretty cool to have a Tony Schiavone one next yeah. to it. I'll, I'll get you one. I'm, I'm very honored by this. You know, I've done. Uh, I've been the only Gwinnett Braves announcer since they moved from Richmond, Virginia, to Gwinnett County, Georgia. Uh, it happened in 2009. They're honoring me that night. Uh, we're going to have a big suite for my family members and friends that night. Lois will be there. Oh yeah, she'll be there. Fans, this is your chance. Uh-huh. Gwinnett Braves game, August twenty sixth. You get to meet Lois. <laughs> That's right. Come on out, make it happen. My grandson's going to throw out the first pitch. Uh, I'm going to have my dog Bug with me. It's going to be a grand night. I'm Taking gonna... your dog. Oh, absolutely. That's awesome. My my dog my dog's on the bobblehead. Oh, is she holding the dog? Well, it's the dog kind of down at my feet. That's awesome. Yeah. Bug. It's National Dog Day apparently that day. Uh, it took a few weeks before the outsiders were referred to as Hall and Nash uh-huh. or any alternate names discussed before settling on their real names. Uh, yeah, they, they discussed a lot of things. And Eric finally said, let's just call them by their real names because there's no way we can get sued for that. But a lot of different things were discussed. Uh, Daniel wants to know, did you and Vince Russo have any problems? None. With the exception of uh, when, uh, when he did that promo about Hulk Hogan. And he called Hulk Hogan, remember, a piece of shit or wherever he called him. Bassett Beach 2000. Right. I thought it was all at work, and I made it known that I thought it was all at work. And he called me at home, I don't know if it was the next day or a couple days later, and said, you really think that was a work? I said, yeah. He said, I'm surprised at you, that you would think that was a work. Uh, And I said, "Uh, you know, Russo, I'm sorry. Vince, I'm sorry. But I do, and I did, and I still do. Uh, Jonathan wants to know, uh, why weren't there more WCW all nighters? Yeah. Uh, probably because we were understaffed. No, we were understaffed. I, I mean, uh, nitro and thunder took everything, took everything from us. That was the focus of everything we did. On a scale of one to Tom Zink, how exciting was John Taylor? He was Mr. Excitement on WCW Saturday night. He was a one. So he was like Terry Taylor level? Probably so. Uh, Do you think the 1980s NWA with the marketing machine that WWF had could have survived and not sold the Turner? Do you think that was the tipping point merchandise? Uh, Just the marketing that WWF put together? No, it was more than that. It was structure of the company. Uh, the WWF, and, and this is just right off the top. All right, this is right off the top. I may be wrong. The WWF put its money, a lot of its money, into staffing, into production, into having good television people. Uh, the NWA back then ran it like a small-time business where most of the money went to the guys. We were a very small office, and it was more than just marketing. It was just organization. It's not, I'm not, believe you me, I'm not shitting on the Crockett family, but it was a small-time mom-and-pop's organization compared to a big-time corporation. And you, you, you can't compete with that. Uh, Richard Anderson wants to know about your greatest Gordon Sully moment. He says, the two voices I hear in my head when I think about wrestling are Gordon and Tony, none better. Well, I, uh, I had a chance to, they, they had Gordon work with me, uh, for a couple of matches, a couple of, um, not matches, a couple of shows on worldwide, why it stopped. I don't know, but 
Dusty wanted that to happen because, you know, he remembers Gordon. He remembered Gordon. And so Gordon and I did Worldwide Wrestling. And I remember after we did the show and we were in the first show, we were in uh, Perry, Georgia at the, uh, at the fairgrounds there. And we did the show and Gordon said to me, he said, uh, that, uh, that felt good. That was good. He said, I really enjoyed working with you. And I remember thinking, wow, what a freaking compliment. Oh, sure. From a guy like that. I was really, really excited about hearing him say that. So, but it didn't last long. So I don't know why. Um, Dan wants to know who was the perv that directed the cameras to zoom in on the pretty ladies during nitro. Uh, well, our director was Craig Leathers, but I don't think he zoomed in enough. Yeah. So I don't know what, what he's talking about there. Perv. What the Mad Bull wants to know, what did Tony think of the trading cards WCW put out in the early nineties? And did he ever get any of them? Uh, I never did get any of them. I didn't see them. I'm big into baseball trading cards. I didn't collect any wrestling. You know, you have trading cards of yourself. Yeah, I, I know I've signed a couple of them. But you don't have any? I don't have any, no. Um, did heel talent enjoy trash being thrown at them in the ring? Meaning, was it a measurement of how well they were doing their job? No, they did not. That's dangerous stuff. It, it worked with the Hogan thing when he first turned heel. But having fans throw stuff at you was bad news. Randy Anderson was hit in the... Randy Anderson broke his hand one time because a dumbass fan who I'd love to have found out and beaten the fuck out of him. Uh, a, a fan threw a battery, a D-sized battery, hit him in the hand and broke his hand one time. Uh, another guy threw a battery at Mike Tanay, just missed him. A guy threw a penny at Mike Tanay, hit him in the face with it. Uh, there's no call at all for throwing things in the ring, and the wrestlers didn't like it at all. Well, I mean, who would? Uh, Jake, Hick wants, Jake Hicks wants to know, what's your favorite Oz match? Uh, the first one, because that monkey tried to fucking hang himself. Tell everybody that story in case they missed that. Okay. Well, you know, we were big into pyro back then and, and Kevin Sullivan comes out as the, uh, whatever he was, he was the wizard, I guess, or he was the, and he came out as the little, the little guy and he had a monkey on, uh, a leash, a leash. Right. And when they got to the ring and the pyro went push, right. The monkey was so freaking scared. He tried, he was, he tried to jump off Kevin's shoulder and he was swinging there like they were hanging the fucking monkey. And I remember, cause I wasn't calling the match. I was in the backstage area. I remember saying that fucking monkey's going to die. <laughs> and I'm looking up and Kevin is jerking on the monkey and the monkey is swinging like he's dead. So I, they may have killed the monkey that night. So that was my favorite. Tom's ankles killing a lot of monkey back then. <laughs> Uh, Ben wants to know, can you say Yeti with the short E at the end instead of the hard I? Yes, I can. Yeti. But give it to us one time the way we want it. Yeti. Okay. That was my way of saying, that was my code word of saying fucked up angle. Uh, Michael Scott Moore wants to know, what did Tony think of Flair showing up on WWF TV with the WCW world title in 91? Yeah, well, no, nobody that worked for WCW liked it, but I understood it. And I thought it was a pretty good slap in the face to, to the hierarchy at Turner Broadcasting. Because I'm a, I'm a friend of Ric Flair's, right? Yeah. It was kind of like, eh, I don't like seeing that, but yeah, fuck them. I understand it. 
JJ wants to know, is it true that lots of wrestlers would travel in for nitro and then not get used? Yeah. Once again, it shows you how disorganized we were. B Ferg wants to know when DX invaded nitro, why didn't WCW return the favor with a similar angle? Because I, I think that would have put it more, put more attention on their angle. Thomas wants to know it was uh, the right thing to ignore it. Who was the voice in the NWO messages? The voice in the NWO message. Oh, yeah. that was, uh, that was Neil Pruitt. There you go. Yeah. Our producer. Uh, you met Neil. I think you met Neil at uh comic con or uh Russell con. Stevie wants to know your thoughts on miss Atlanta lively. Great, great freaking angle. That's catch when catch that's everybody up. The younger fans who may not yeah, remember. Okay. That's when, when flair was, uh, was in love with precious and they had the angle with Jimmy Garvin and, uh, Ronnie, the, he was supposed to have a date with precious and Ronnie showed up in drag and knocked him out. So Ronnie started dressing, started dressing up and wrestling as Miss Atlanta lively. Daryl wants to know, were you ever approached about being a part of an angle? Yes. Uh, about, uh, doing something with tank Abbott that I would not do. What was it? Well, they wanted, uh, Vince Russo wanted tank Abbott to give me a, a stomach shot, hit me in the stomach, uh, and bend me over and just boom. And I said, you know what, Vince, I'll do whatever you want. Is there another way to do this? I don't think, is there somebody else that knows how to throw a working punch <laughs> that can punch me in the stomach? Cause I wasn't sure that. The tank Abbott knew how to throw one. So, uh, we actually ended up doing the angle, but he didn't hit me. Jeff Baxter wants to know any good Stan Lane stories. Uh, well, no, with the exception of, uh, I think if you go out and you see Stan Lane now, he looks in wonderful shape. He's, uh, he has aged very, very well. He's taken care of himself. Uh, and, uh, he was, a great uh, tag team wrestler with Bobby in 85 Nikita gave David Crockett a sickle, uh, to set him David uh, reffing a flair versus Nikita match. Was Tony ever pitched an angle like that? No, I was not. Uh, you alluded to this last week, but at times it was clear. Heyman was phoning it in. Did you ever confront him on this? He says, uh, Heyman, but he means Heenan. Yeah. No, I never confronted him on this. Uh, is I, well, what do we mean by phoning it in? I just not, well, this all came to light this week because Mark Madden did some tweets where he said, you don't bury your own product. He admitted he was guilty of that at times, but he said that in his estimation, the WWF Bobby Heenan that we all saw was iconic and nobody could ever beat it. But the WCW version that we saw was in his opinion, phoning it in really all the, every time I, I, I don't Heenan, know. Heenan did some great stuff. What's your favorite thing Heenan did in WCW? Uh, I, I thought that Heenan worked best with, with, with Dusty, with me, Heenan. And oh, Dusty. phenomenal. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Um, why were there no pay-per-views running Atlanta after 1993? Uh, probably because they couldn't get, uh, the venue or Bischoff wanted out of there. Well, that could be a part of it. I mean, you know, Eric wanted to not be so Southern, not to be so Southern. Which you know, I still think's a mistake. But uh, um, yeah, he, you know, I, I've brought the fact that I mentioned 
that we had an event coming up at the Lawrence Joel Coliseum in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, home of the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. And he raked me across the coals for that, saying no one gives a shit about the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. And I wanted to say, oh, yes, they do. It's ACC basketball, which is a big fucking deal. Right. Uh, but I didn't argue with him with that. So, yeah, he wanted out of the South. That's That's probably... Question about the referee eye camera in WCW. I guess it was referee. Yeah. Um, was that Tony's idea to get better close-ups of the Z-Man? <laughs> no, it was not my idea, but it, it, we got some pretty good close-ups of him, though, didn't we? Uh, Jeremy has the kind of question that our listeners need to know. Oh, boy. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Uh, it's a hot dog. Is, hot dog is a sandwich if you split the hot dog down the middle and fold it up and put it on two pieces of bread. But a hot dog in its bun sep- is two pieces of bread, isn't it? Well, it's a bun. So if you just separate, well, I mean, a, hot, a hamburger, is that a sandwich? Uh, no, it's on a bun. You put the hamburger on a piece of bread, it's a sandwich. So anything that looks like a hamburger bun or a hot dog bun. It's not it's a sandwich. A- Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Have we out of, run out of fucking things to talk about here? <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. I'll get back to it. Uh, (laughs) Let's get a wrestling question. Uh, Any thoughts on working with Carl Malone or Jay Leno? Let me get more specific here. Which one did you enjoy working with more, Leno or Malone? I I enjoyed working with, uh, I didn't work with either one of them, but I enjoyed working with Malone because he was a bigger wrestling fan. I was more uh, in awe of Jay Leno because of who he was. Uh, I'll go to my dying day saying that Eric Bischoff, being on the set of the tonight show was one of the biggest things we'd ever done. Uh, I didn't really get to meet Jay Leno. JJ wants to know, did Tony prefer the announcer's table to be next to the ring, right up against it or away on a stage like nitro? I like to write up against it. I thought that was old school stuff. Uh, I didn't like it at all in the back. I thought we were safe. We were removed from everything. And then it was in the back where a lot of times people threw stuff on us. Because they thought, you know, the announcers now, they're, they're away from where all the attention is. Now we can throw stuff on them, and no one will pay attention to it. So Matt wants to know, would you rather call the World Series or WrestleMania? World Series. I mean, who would have a yeah. different answer? Yeah. Um, not talking about the end, do you have any memories of working with Chris Benoit? Uh, no, I don't have any, any memories. Chris was a very quiet, polite guy. So we didn't have much, uh, interaction at all. What was Hogan, Okerlund and others reaction to Booker T's Hulk Hogan. We coming for you promo. I don't remember their reaction to that. Do you remember the interview though? I do not. Okay. So spring stampede, 1997. Okay. Hogan's not on the card. The main event is DDP and, uh, Randy Savage. This is spring Savage, uh, spring stampede. What? 97. Okay. Harlem heats in the back doing a promo with me and Gene. Yeah. Sherry is with them. Okay. Uh, they start running through everybody on the roster, kind of. And yeah. eventually, they start talking about the world title. Yeah. And how when they get through with this Four Corners match, they're coming for the belt. Okay. And he says, Hulk Hogan, we coming for you inward. Ah. And immediately realizes what he said. Okay. Puts his hands in his head and kind of looks away like, oh, goodness. Yeah. And everybody kind of knew, but since it's live, you got to keep it moving. Right. And it's become one of those botchamania type moments that 
a lot of wrestling fans really get a kick out of going back and watching. Right. Because it's the real guy for a minute. Okay. And I, I had to react coming out of that. Well, mean gene is in the back, but if I just had to describe it to you, it means no one gave a shit. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because you got to move on. It's one of those things that the fans harp on, but if you work in the business, do you understand what I'm saying here? Yeah. You got to move on. Things that were, listen, and it's not right or wrong, and I'm not shitting on people for saying this. I understand and I appreciate uh, remembering things, but things that were important to fans weren't always important to us. Well, things that were not important to fans was Lasertron. Uh-huh. And Josh Kuhn asks, uh, Josh Kuhn is bringing the noise on the questions. Any memories of Lasertron, of course, portrayed by Hector Guerrero. Yeah. One of the more uh, silly WCW gimmicks, but he was even doing this on Saturday night, right at the height of the company. Right. He was. Talk to me about Lasertron. Uh, that was one of Dusty's gimmicks that he thought that, you know, would bring in the kids and get the kids excited about it. It was almost like the modern day glacier, right? We're doing something really odd and really different to bring the kids in. Uh, and uh, wasn't the Disney Tron movie back around that time? Uh, so that was kind of a play on that. Uh, Hector played it up as best he could, man. Hector was a pro about it. He was an absolute pro about it. So uh, I, when I think of Lasertron, and, and I've seen the picture of it on Twitter, I, I don't shit on it. I don't shit on it at all because it was Hector and because uh, – he tried to make the best out of it. it. It was a pretty good effort. Here's some guys you will shit on. Christopher yeah. wants to know if you'll play F. Mary Hill well, with Conrad Thompson, Bruce Pritchard, or an annoying Twitter troll. Okay. Well, we're going to kill the Twitter, Twitter, Twitter troll. Okay. Kill him. Okay. Okay. That's number one. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's move along. I w- okay. No, I, I, I'll, let me say this. I, I would. Fuck Bruce Pritchard. <laughs> you just wanted to say those words together. Yes, I yeah. Exactly right. Uh, and I would marry Conrad Thompson just to be able to live with the Conrad. Oh, my gosh. Uh, David Rice wants to know, did WCW ever reach out to Tully Blanchard in 97, 98 during the Horseman reboot? No, I don't think they did. Uh, no. Billy wants to know, did you ever have a chance to work with The Undertaker? And how well do you think he would have done as the leader of the NWO? He would have been tremendous. Uh, but I can't imagine Undertaker being anything but the Undertaker. And there was no way that we were going to get the Undertaker gimmick into WCW, right? I mean, that was the big deal. Uh, so uh, uh, Mean Mark, I remember when uh, when we had Mean Mark uh, early on, and he worked, and Paul Heyman, Paulie Dangerously, went out as his manager. I remember Paul walking in the back and looking at me, he said, that son of a gun can really work. He's tremendous. And we all thought, Boy, the guy's really good. And right. It, and, of course, we shit the bed on that one, didn't we? What was the deal with the Berlin character, and why did it yeah, stop? I don't know. That's, that's one of those fucked up things. Who knows? God, that was a terrible thing. Why wasn't there a tournament to crown a new champion at the Great American Bash 91 instead of just throwing Barry and Lex in there? Yeah. Uh, probably because it takes a lot more thought process to throw a, a tournament together than it does. That was the thing they had to come up with on the fly because of Rick leaving. That's the best they could come up with. Uh, Todd Baker wants to know, were you upset at not being able to call WrestleMania six? No, I was upset and not being able to call survivor series, uh, in 1989. 
I was upset about that. When did you find out? How did that news come in? Uh, well, that's something that we brought up in Dallas, but uh, that news came in uh, from a man named Nelson Swegler to me. And the way it was handled was not good. Uh, Nelson said, I was talking to Nelson, and Nelson said uh, about Gorilla doing the play-by-play of the Survivor Series with Jesse. And, and I had just done SummerSlam. And I said, wait a minute. Gorillas doing the play-by-play? He said, yeah, everybody knows that. Don't you know that? And I didn't. Um, so I went to Bruce, and Bruce said, yeah, Gorillas doing it. Didn't we tell you that? And I said, didn't hear it. He said, well, that's what I've heard. So I went to Vince. I remember walking in his room. I said, Vince, I haven't heard anything about Survivor Series. Uh do you, am I doing the play-by-play or not? Or am I doing something else? And his, his answer to me was, we haven't decided that yet. Even though we clearly had. Yes. So I knew I'd been lied to. Or uh, he didn't want to tell me at that time. So that, that's what I was very upset with that. And then Bruce went on to tell me that, you know, Vince wants you to... Uh, to make sure that you get the interviews you need for the for the video cassette for the Coliseum video cassette, uh, and make sure that you work on that during the day instead of spend your time at being a, a play-by-play guy. So you knew it was over. Yeah, I had a feeling it was over. But then again, I ended up doing Royal Rumble, uh, the very next one in January. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I think I very quickly run my course with them as a play-by-play guy. Uh, but I was upset about that. I was not upset about not doing WrestleMania 6 because I was pretty much out the door at that time. WrestleMania 6 was my last one, my last event for Vince. But you attended. You were there. Yeah, I was there. I left early. I got all the interviews I needed in the back and then flew back to uh, Connecticut to work on the video cassette. See what we tried to do back then on the video cassettes, and I thought it was a great idea. We removed all the interviews that you saw or we removed many of them that you saw and added interviews that you didn't see. If you watch the pay-per-view and you put in the video cassette and you saw, you know, new, fresh, different type interviews. Right. So I, I was responsible to get those in the back at that time, which I love doing. Now, again, I love producing. Steven wants to know, how would you rate Larry Zabisco as a commentator? I feel like he was just as funny and quick-witted as Bobby Heenan. Yeah, Larry was a 10. On a 1 to 10, he was a 10. By far. He made it sound real. He made it sound. Uh, he made it uh, sound interesting. Uh, he was quick-witted, and of course, his commentary put him over, didn't it? No, I mean, for sure. it really put him over as a, you know, as a as a force uh, against the NWO. Uh, yeah, Larry is uh, on the one the scale one to ten. He's ten. Christopher Reiner wants to know, uh, I know you don't want a full-time return to announcing, but would you do a special event with JR if the opportunity came up? Well, yeah, I'd love to work with JR again. Absolutely. Uh, but anything full-time, I don't, I don't know if I want to go through that stuff again. And, I, and I, I've said this many times. I don't know if, uh, because, you know, it's been many years and I'm getting up there in age. I don't know if my voice can take all this screaming and stuff that you got to do now. And I don't know if I want to be overly produced like you are now. I don't know if I want to deal with all that anymore. And not only that, I, I look, I, I like 
I like my life. I like I like doing baseball. I like working for the Georgia Bulldogs. I love doing this with with you, Conrad, uh, and uh, working for um, uh, ninety two nine uh, the game in Atlanta, and doing some part time work for Starbucks. I like I like my niche in life right now. I'm really enjoying it. So why would I want to change it? Can't argue that. I guess. Uh, how many how many beers did the boys buy Brian Hildebrand after he kicked the fan? I don't know if they bought him any or not. They probably bought him a, a, a few rounds, but uh, it feels like they would have celebrated yeah, this. They, they did. They did some celebrating with him that time. There's no question. He was much uh, appreciated and revered after that happened. Uh, Steve wants to know. I know that you love baseball, but uh-huh. did you ever have any athletic talents yourself? None. None. I played high school baseball, uh, and. Uh, and the reason I made it, uh, I was the, I bring up this story. I, I played for Buffalo Gap High School uh, in the 70s, and I was a high school baseball player. I was a first baseman, and I was the only one on my baseball team that made it into pro baseball because I was a pretty good first base coach, and I could keep score. I could keep the scorebook. Uh, I tried my hand at golf a little bit, and Zabisco will tell you that I got to where I was pretty decent. Then I had my neck surgery, and I started to try to play it again, and I gave it up. Uh, I was pretty good shooter in basketball at one time, but no really athletic ability. Now, RJ wants to know why would Lee Marshall take jabs at Bobby Heenan every week on the Ross report? Yeah. Because or the road report. It was funny. He always said a weasel. It was just one of those things that you listened for. I, we all thought it was entertaining, right? Yeah. So it wasn't a jab. It was kind of a, a running joke. See again, we're working and fans think we're shooting. <laughs> so JJ wants to know, uh, Harlem, he was my favorite tag team ever, yeah. but all I ever hear is people dumping on Stevie. Yeah. The Harlem heat were awesome. Would right. you agree? Yeah. I love Stevie Ray. Uh, do you have Stevie Ray's number? Yeah, you do. Uh huh. Cause I'm going to call him. When we get off the air. Okay. Cause we worked together on worldwide. Oh yeah. Fruit booty. Yeah. He was, uh, and he was funny. He was funny on worldwide. He was very entertaining. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess people dump on Stevie because he probably wasn't a worker that uh, Booker T was. I mean, who is though? Right. I mean, exactly. Yeah. Right. So, man, uh, listen, uh, one thing I learned about wrestling fans, they're going to dump on somebody. Nobody was dumping on Ryan's question. The 94 spring stampede is one of the best WCW pay-per-views of all time. Mm. Who was on the booking committee? They need credit for that. On the booking committee would have been, uh, Kevin Sullivan at that time. Uh, I guess Terry Taylor was on the booking committee at that time. Um, Jody Hamilton would have been on the booking committee. Flair was on it at that time. You know, Flair was, uh, Flair was the head booker at one time. Flair denies all that. Yeah, I know he does. Why do you think Flair does that? He always kind of downplays his role as a booker. Uh, Maybe just just to avoid the heat. Yeah. I was saying maybe he doesn't want any of that shit, you know, I mean, I, I remember Flair being the head booker and then we going in there and, and I would, I was in the booking committee too, but I was kind of in the booking committee to take notes and tie it all together with, with production. Um, and, and I just remember being in some of the booking committee meetings when Flair was in charge and you could tell he didn't really want to do it, but they gave it to him anyway. Robert wants to know what's the worst match you called in WCW? The worst match I called in WCW, it may have been Hogan and, and uh, the Ultimate Warrior. 
that's Which, that's uh, got to be a top five available in the archives now. Yeah, Halloween Havoc 1998. Yeah, that was that's one of that's one of the the bad ones. Uh, the for a for a finish, uh, the uh, the Luger Flair match where blood was stopped, or the blood stopped the match in Baltimore, and we as announcers almost got killed. Uh, that was a pretty bad match. Uh, there's a lot of job guy matches through the years in the old Saturday night tapings that were really bad too. Uh, and you know, uh, as we moved on and they, uh, again, I bring this up so many times as we moved on forward, as we towards our demise, uh, in WCW and guys who didn't have the talent to, uh, who didn't have the talent to choreograph matches would choreograph them and they would miss one fucking hold and that would screw up the whole match. Uh, I'll tell you another bad match too, and, and it's one that we discussed. Uh, Van Hammer and Doug Summers from uh, Halloween Havoc of '89, of '91. We didn't cover that one yet, but you did talk about it. That's the time when we, oh, that's we right. watched wrong shows. Wrong shows. <laughs> oh, I right. love that. Yeah, that was one of the. Go back and watch that one of '91. That was, whoo, that was bad. But we're going to give you some stuff to watch next week. Go ahead and cruise on over to at WHW Monday on Twitter. Uh, we've got a lot of different poll options picked this week, Tony. Lots of stuff was was happening around this time in WCW history. So I'm going to let you yourself kind of disqualify some shows. How's that sound? Okay. Uh, I want you to pick a year that we will cut. Do you want to cut 97 or cut 98? We're going to keep the rest and we're going to cut 97 or 98. Uh, let's cut 97. Okay. So we're not going to talk about Bash at the Beach 1997, uh, which on top had Lex Luger and the Giant uh, taking on Dennis Rodman and Hulk Hogan. Piper Flair was underneath. Uh, We'll leave that for another time. Okay. Uh, Let's talk about instead, this is a fun one, Beach Blast 1993. Uh, This is some good stuff here because this is where we had the video of Sid and Vader with Colonel Parker on the island. Yeah. With Davey Boy Smith and Sting and a little person. Uh, Beach Blast 1993. Biloxi, Mississippi. Let's run through the card. Uh, Paul Orndorff and Ron Simmons. Two Cold Scorpio and Marcus Bagwell took on Tex Slazinger and Shanghai Pierce, who would be the Godwins. Right. Steve Regal took on Eric Watts. Johnny B. Bad was in the ring with Max Payne. The Hollywood Blondes took on the Horsemen, Arn Anderson and Paul Roma mm. for the tag titles. Dustin Rhodes and Rick Rude went to a Iron Man match, 30 minutes long. And then for the world title, we had Ric Flair and Barry Windham for the NWA championship. Our main event, though, was Sting and Davey Boy taking on Big Van Vader and Sid Vicious. Mm. What's your favorite memories of this show? It's got to be the little mini movie, right? Yeah, it was the movie, yeah. Because, I mean, on paper, that, that main event was pretty stiff, right? Uh, it was something else. Yeah, and having a 30-minute match uh, and by that time was probably too much. Let's go forward a little bit to the 1995 Bash at the Beach. Uh, this one took place on an actual beach in Huntington Beach, California. Right. Like a real beach. Right. Uh, kind of fun here. In the main event, we've got Hulk Hogan and Vader in a steel cage. Randy Savage is taking on Ric Flair in a lifeguard lumberjack match. And there were some extras uh, for Baywatch here right. serving as lumberjacks. 
Uh, the Harlem Heat were in there with the Nasty Boys and the Blue Bloods, and this is Lord Steven Regal and Robert Eaton, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, DDP and Dave Sullivan, Kamala and Jim Duggan, The Renegade and Paul Orndorff. That's a real thing. Wow. Uh, Sting and Ming, I think they wrestled because it rhymed. And Dick Slater <laughs> and Bunkhouse Buck took on Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Alex Wright. Probably your favorite tag team of all time, right? What, Bunkhouse Buck and Dick Slater? Yes. Yes, I like them. I mean, anytime you can get Alex Wright and Marcus Bagwell in there with Dick, it's pretty good, right? One would think. You, you, you're some bitch, you know that? What? So Bash yeah. at the Beach 1995 is another poll option. Yeah, that's good. That was a, that's a good one. That's a good one because uh, I watched part of that recently, and that was a great look from the beach. We had a lot, a lot of people. And, of course, we had some guys who appeared on Baywatch, too, kind of tied that in. Bash at the Beach 1998 is your next poll topic. Uh, and this is uh, kind of a big deal here because this is the year where they brought out all the big guns. It got a huge rating for WCW. Uh, I think it had the biggest buy rate in history at the time with Hulk Hogan and Dennis Rodman on one side taking on DDP and Carl Malone on the other. Uh, the newly crowned Bill Goldberg defended his world title against Kurt Henning. Uh, Booker T took on Bret Hart for the world television title. Mysterio was in there with Chris Jericho. The Giant wrestled Kevin Green. Conan took on Disco Inferno. And all these years later, they're doing a podcast together. Mm. Uh, Eddie Guerrero and Chavo Guerrero squared off. We had Stevie Ray and also Chavo Guerrero. Hooventude and Kidman, Raven and Saturn. And it is a loaded card. It's Bash at the Beach 1998. Uh, And then last but certainly not least, Bash at the Beach 1999. Here's where things start to get a little squirrely. Oh, boy. Uh, This is most notable for the Junkyard Invitational. We just had a question about this earlier. Fit Finley gets the win here, but there is, um, I don't know, a smorgasbord of wrestlers here. Cyclope, Jerry Flynn, Johnny Grunge, Hardcore Hack, Horace Hogan, Brian Nobbs, Hugh Morris, LaParca, Stephen Regal, Rocco Rock, Silver King, David Taylor, and Mikey Whiprick all in this match. Allegedly, it cost over $100,000 to produce. We had a question on it in our show today. We'll cover it long form next week if it wins the poll. The main event for that show, by the way, is Randy Savage uh, and Sid Vicious taking on Kevin Nash and Sting. Uh, Buff Bagwell was also in a boxing match here with Roddy Piper. The Jersey Triad, which was DDP, Chris Canyon, and Bam Bam Bigelow, took on Perry Saturn and Chris Benoit. Uh, and then we had, you know, a David Flair match, which is always fun to discuss here on yeah. the podcast. So there you go. There are your four poll topics. Let's run through them again for you. The 1993 Beach Blast. Don't forget that island movie with Colonel Robert Parker, Sid, and Vader on a beach. This is WrestleCraptastic. Uh, Bash at the Beach 1995, also pretty fun on an actual beach. Hard to beat that. Uh, 1998 Bash at the Beach, which is a good time uh, because it's maybe the biggest WCW pay-per-view ever up to that point. And I know everybody thinks it's Starcade 97. This actually got more buys, so big deal for them. Uh, And then the next year, things were a little different. Bash at the Beach 1999, the Junkyard Invitational. Those are our four poll topics. Tony, which one of these do you want to win the poll? Well, I want to win the poll, the one from Huntington Beach, because those are the better memories for me. Uh, when you talk about the last one with the Junkyard Invitational, yeah, you could tell that the casket was starting to be fitted for roller skates. So that's that's the deal there. Is that, uh, is that Lois interrupting? Yeah. 
Well, as Lois is interrupting, so that means uh, we're <laughs> wrapping things up here, guys and girls. We appreciate all the insight. Thanks for coming out and supporting us this past weekend in Dallas. We had a good time, man. You can always support the show by picking up a shirt at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash WHW. And whatever you do, don't forget to vote on the poll. Go vote right now while it's fresh on your mind. It's on Twitter at WHW Monday. And cruise on over one more time. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash WHW. And Tony, when I look at my clock, can't help but notice it's about that time. Uh, you're right, Conrad, and I want to let everybody know that we certainly appreciate everybody's question on Twitter. And oh my goodness, it is time now for a Twitter troll match. It's going to be Conrad Thompson one-on-one against Dave Silva. One-on-one, they're going to be going out of here. The winner will be able to kill 10 trolls, and hopefully I can pick those 10 trolls that we can assassinate after this match is over. The two men are in the ring right now, and they are going at it back and forth. There's a side headlock from Dave Silva. Oh, my goodness. Conrad pulls out of the side headlock because apparently the armpit of Dave Silva stinks too much. And that's it. We're out of time on What Happened When Monday. See you next week. And now a moment with Tony Schiavone. Here comes Ming, the ninja. This moment and much, much more is available in the archives of What Happened When Mondays with Tony Schiavone. The rule of 